Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through His Word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 17. Then Jesus said to them, them being in context Simon and Andrew, two fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. I want to preach a message to you today titled, The True Neverland. The True Neverland. I want to pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his blood. We thank you for the power of his cross and resurrection. And we welcome you, Holy Spirit, to take what Christ has purchased for us and begin to dispense and administer and reveal and communicate and speak to hearts and minds and lives today. I acknowledge my need for you, Holy Spirit. Unless you, Lord, build your house, build your dwelling place, build your people, we labor in vain. Have your way. Make much of Jesus. May we leave here being made more into such men and women. Fishers of men. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. This past Tuesday was October 31st. Many people in our culture, our culture being, not dwelling place, but our culture being America, in some way participate in fall festivals, fall activities, or Halloween activities. Many boys and girls dress up in costumes of their favorite cartoon characters. Uh, Not to leave some of you out, so we could say many adults as well long for that opportunity to go to work dressed up. One such character that you see each year is Peter Pan. Peter Pan. In fact, last night we were doing family uh, devotions in my son's room. Normally we do it um, in the girls' rooms just because they outnumber uh, the boys uh, in our home. But last night we did it in my son's room. And as they were looking for one of the devotionals, because we have several, I looked up on his bookshelf and there laying was a book like this, and it said, Peter Pan. I said, son, I didn't know. Would you have this book, Peter Pan? He said, yeah, I got it recently at Ollie's. And uh, he said, but it's in old English. I can't read it. <laughs> I said, I, so I started flipping through it. I said, son, it's not old English. He said, well, I can't understand it. I said, all right, that's fine, because just read the Bible then. You'll be okay. But if you're unfamiliar with the story of Peter Pan, here's the main things for the sake of this message I need to bring you up to speed on. Peter is a boy who never wants to grow up. He lives in a place called Neverland that allows for this desire, the desire to never grow up. It allows for that desire of his to be fulfilled. This is intriguing in many ways, but there is one specific way I want to point out. There is a correlation between Peter's desire to never grow up 
and mankind's desire throughout history. In fact, I would suggest that if you had time to survey the history of man and mankind's civilizations, you would find underlining them all a heart's desire that is consistent. This desire I speak of is a desire to live forever in a state of personal liking. This is why, unfortunately, the agnostic and the atheist are the minority. Because the majority of humanity and all civilizations have acknowledged that there is this desire within them, that they were created for more, they desire to live forever, and religiosity has begun to shape and be informed and demonstrated and practiced in some way throughout the civilizations of mankind's history. For Peter Pan, this desire was to live forever in a state of childhood. To others, it's a different type of state they desire. But nevertheless, a land that is desired. A land that is desired to live forever in a state of their choosing. It should not surprise us that Solomon, King Solomon in Scripture and his observations of all that takes place under the sun, under heaven observed and stated in Ecclesiastes 3 in verse 11. In Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 11, he said, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Watch this. Also, He has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work of God does from the beginning to the end. You need to see that Solomon saw and observed and acknowledged that God has put eternity in the hearts of all of us. There is this desire for a neverland. There is this desire to never grow old and die. There is this desire to live forever. The problem is, is this desire has been affected by sin. That like Peter Pan, he does not just want to live forever in neverland, but he wants to live forever in neverland where there are no rules, no responsibility. And he can selfishly do as he pleases. This is the state of his choosing that he desired to live forever experiencing. There is a tension. There is a tension seen and clearly reflected in Scripture, and this is the tension that God has given you desires. He's given you desires that are of Him and from Him and that should, in the end, glorify and be for Him. But though we have these God-given desires, these desires are sought by sin and sought by the enemy to be corrupted, to be misapplied, to be taken captive by sin and Satan. Jesus, when He spoke about the kingdom of God, He states in Mark 10 and verse 15. Now you're going to have to follow me because we're on a journey this morning because we're in a series called Follow Me. (laughs) So stay with me. Assuredly, I say to you, Jesus said, Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. Notice Jesus equates some characteristic about a young child to the kingdom of God and experiencing and entering the kingdom. 
And yet, Proverbs 22 and 15, King Solomon says, Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Notice that. The rod of correction will drive it far from him. What tension. That children represent a great quality of the kingdom of God, and yet also children demonstrate many negative qualities against such kingdom. They represent a quality needed to enter the kingdom and yet there are qualities in their heart that the rod or the hand of discipline and instruction and child training and godly parenting must drive out. This is tension. Is it not the same in your life? Is it not the same in your experience and my experience that we have God-given desires? And yet the tension is, do I... Do we, do you, find the way and the place to fulfill such desires correctly or do we find a way to fulfill them incorrectly? See, there is the flesh. There are the fallenness of your humanity, those fallen desires called the sinful passions. There is the world that the Apostle John said we live in that is against the Father's love. There is the devil that seeks to offer counterfeit fulfillment and corruption of God-given desires. That's tension. God has given us good desires, godly desires, godly longings, and yet those longings are vulnerable to be captivated, to be misapplied, misdirected, misaligned, fulfilled in a wrong way. See, I believe when you look at Scripture, that Scripture gives evidence that each of us were created to experience a sense of wonder. I don't believe Scripture gives evidence that life is to be categorized by being boring, by being dull. But that Scripture gives evidence that we were created to experience a sense of wonder, a sense of amazement a sense of excitement and expectation and a sense of adventure and a sense of newness that we're on this journey and there's always something new to learn, that there's more of God to encounter, more of God to explore, that there's more of His divine attributes that's clearly revealed through nature to be seen and discovered and celebrated and give thanks for. The question we face today, however, is how will we seek to find such? How will we seek to find this sense of wonderment, this sense of amazement, this sense of being in awe and excitement and adventure? And it is to this question that Jesus invites me. It's to this question that Jesus invites us. It's to this question that Jesus invites you to follow Him. Follow me, Jesus says, to the true neverland. The context, the bigger context of the scripture we read up front. Let's look at it in Mark chapter 1 and verse 14. In Mark chapter 1 and verse 14, the gospel writer Mark said, Now after John was put in prison, that's John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin. Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And saying the time is fulfilled. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. For they were fishermen. 
Then Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become, notice that, fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the boat mending their nets. And immediately he called to them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. They went after him. They didn't know it in the beginning, but by going after him, they were going after the fulfillment of these desires for more. These desires to experience amazement and expectation and wonder in life. Notice Jesus says, if you follow me, I will make you become. If you follow me, I will cause you to be made to be fishers of men. You won't be forced to do work of the kingdom. You won't be forced to want to reach people. You won't be forced to want to influence people. No, I will make you to be something. And who you become will automatically cause influence, cause impact, cause an attraction of those that are seeking the desire that God has given them to be fulfilled in the right way. A sense of wonder, a sense of amazement, a sense of adventure, a sense of having this eternity that's set in their hearts find fulfillment. What's interesting is as you continue to read the the book of Mark and his gospel account, in Mark chapter 3, he tells how Jesus chose and appointed the twelve. He chose and appointed the twelve to be with him, that he might send them out to preach, to be fishers of men. In those twelve he chose was Simon and Andrew that we just read about. James and John that we just read about. They were in this group of twelve. Here's what this means. It's a very interesting point to understand this morning. This means between Mark 1.16 and Mark 3.12 that the twelve had been made to the place where Jesus was confident enough to appoint them to fish. If Jesus says, follow me and you'll be made to be something, something that will allow you to begin to fish for others, influence others, draw others to understand the desires and the eternity and the fulfillment of those desires that God has given them. And yet then, a couple chapters later, Jesus is sending them out to fish. That means between Mark 1 and Mark 3, Jesus has had some things take place that has made them into being fishers of men. How did he make them to be is the question I asked myself this week. How did he make them be is a question we should ask ourselves today. Well, he made them first to be by inviting them to follow him. To follow him. But where are we following him? The disciples didn't know completely and understand completely at the time, but he was saying, follow me to the true neverland. Follow me to a new place and to a new land, a neverland that's breaking in and onto their experience. Let me talk to you for a moment about this neverland. Jesus in John 5, 24 said, Most assuredly I say to you, He who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment but has passed from death into life. 
In John 10, 28, Jesus along the same lines and the same theme says, And I give them eternal life. And they shall never, someone say never, they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Notice Jesus says, follow me. If you'll follow me and get to the place of believing and receiving me, I will give you eternal life. I'll give you a place in a land where you'll never perish. The kingdom of heaven will become your eternal home. You will receive and experience the true Neverland. It is a land where you never grow old. It is a land that will never see death. It is a land where there will never be sorrow. It is a land where there'll never be crying and there'll never be the shedding of tears again. There'll never be pain and discomfort and affliction in our bodies. They'll never again have bodies that grow old. Jesus says, follow me and I'll lead you to the true neverland. That the eternity in our hearts will be fulfilled. There'll be no more death. Come on. There'll be no more sorrow. There'll be no more crying and no more moments of pain and anguish. Our bodies will live forever in the presence of His life. Jesus says, follow me to this true neverland. And on the way that you're following me, what you're going through is going to make you into a grateful fisher of men. What do you mean? I know some of you are going through some difficulties. I know some of you this week that you have had pain and you have had sorrow and you have shed tears. But it's in those moments as you follow Jesus, you're reminded that you are going to experience the true Neverland. That your eternal home is a place where those tears will dry up, those hurts will be healed, the body will be quickened, and you, even in the midst of your valley, in the midst of what you're going through, in the midst of despair, in the midst of the affliction, you become grateful that this earthly home and earthly experience is not your eternal home but there is a true neverland that we shall walk in the light of his light we shall see in the land of the living the glorious splendor of almighty God and even in the midst of what we go through it's making us be people that are grateful and can I tell you today that grateful people attract people that are looking for the true neverland he's making you an expectant fisher of men that you got an expectancy that though I walk through the shadow of the valley of, of death, that I'm not fearing the evil around me and fearing what I'm going through, that it's not going to be the long season of my life, that what I'm facing in my marriage and facing in my career and facing eternally in my emotions is not going to be my forever home and forever state. And it's making me expectant that there is a kingdom that's about to show up in full manifestation. It's about to make every wrong right. It's about to cause every tear to dry up. It's about to cause every dead bone to come alive again, every barren place to be fruitful under the rule and reign of Jesus Christ, the only one who's worthy, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who has purchased the nations for his inheritance. It's making us an expectant fisherman. I'm expectant for the true neverland. I'm expectant for the king to return. It makes you a rejoicer. One that gives thanks. That you can give thanks in everything. I know the thing in your life right now is difficult. I know there's things in your life that seem to be used to the enemy to cause confusion and cause questions. 
But as you follow Jesus and you remember that He's given you eternal life, He's given you a true neverland where this will not be your forever experience that you can be one that rejoices even in the midst of suffering, that you can rejoice even in the midst of what you're going through because there's a true neverland and it is your home. This is how He makes you. Every tear is making you long more for the true neverland. Every bad report is making you more expectant for the true neverland to come. There'll be no more bad reports in the true neverland. There'll be no more sorrow, despair, and affliction. You remember I mentioned earlier about tension? Well, here's tension again. Because though for those of us that are followers of Jesus Christ and born again and regenerated by the renewing of the Holy Spirit, made new creations in our inner man, though the true neverland is our home, though the kingdom of heaven is my eternal dwelling, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. And the question that I ask and the question that I faced and my journey of following Jesus and the question you'll face or you're facing today is what now while I wait? What now for my career and what now for my marriage and what now for my future and what now for my hands and what now for my path and what now for this season and what now with the resources God's given me, what now with those things while I wait? Many scores of thousands of people in America have only heard this aspect of the gospel of God. That the true neverland is their home. But they've not heard about what do we do while we wait. This was my understanding growing up. That heaven, yes, one day. But not much was clear about the hurt and the issues I was experiencing now. And as you follow Jesus to the true neverland with each step, each day, each season, the good news is you're never alone. The first thing that you need to understand that yes, the true neverland is your eternal home and yet you're not there. What do you do while you wait? I'll tell you what you do. First, you need to understand and know by the Spirit of God that in every step in the now, every season in the now, every day in the now, you're never alone. You're never alone. Notice what Jesus said in John 10, 28. He said, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Yes, we're longing. Yes, we're more expectant. Yes, we're rejoicing as we wait for the true neverland and the full manifestation of His kingdom. But in the meantime, in every step underneath me is His hand. And every season underneath the season is His hand. Every attack of the enemy, every circumstance and battle I face, it can't snatch me out of the Father's hand. I'm never alone. He is with me. He's promised to never leave me nor forsake me. And that's what is breaking into our experience in the now, that we are people that no matter what we face and what we go through and no matter what's happening in society around us, we're never alone. Someone say, never alone. Not only are we never alone, but we'll never be snatched out of the Father's hand. 
I know there's some things pulling on your flesh. I know there's some memories trying to pull you back into things of your past. I know there's some hurts that's trying to surface again and cause you to identify and reorientate your life back to dysfunction. But I want to tell you today, you'll never be snatched out of the Father's hand. His grip of grace is greater than the grip of Satan that's trying to pull you. The weight and the heaviness of circumstances and peer pressure around you isn't stronger than the grip of the Father. And I feel the Father's hand undergirding you and surrounding you today because His promise is sure and steadfast. You'll never, someone say never, be snatched out of the Father's hand. When life's issues cause you to throw your hands up in frustration, remember you're still in His hands. You're never alone. You'll never be snatched out of the Father's hands. And listen to me, you're never in a place while you wait where Jesus' authority doesn't already extend to there. This is what the real heart of the Great Commission is about. See, oftentimes, based out of a works mentality, a religious mindset, or seeking to find approval with God, or earn eternal life, or earn acceptance with our Heavenly Father, we have a mentality that the focus is us out there doing, us out there fishing. Listen. The fishing and the doing is a result of Jesus has made you to be a fisher. You're not trying to prove you're a fisher. Jesus is making you. While you rest in the Father's hands, knowing you're never alone, you'll never be snatched. He's making you into something that automatically attracts and fishes. But this is the same with the Great Commission. Because the foundation for us to go into all the nations and to teach them to preserve all that He's commanded is in verse 18, He says, All authority has been given unto me. The reason we can go in all nations and we can go in all businesses and we can go in all places and we can know that we're never alone there, we know that the strength of those things is never able to pull us out of the Father's hand is because all authority Jesus has. And he says, and lo, I'm with you, always even to the end of the age. All authority. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. As we wait for the true neverland, we're never alone, and we'll never be snatched from the Father's hand. We'll never be in a place where His authority doesn't already extend there, that He's not Lord over. That's important. Because what you see with your natural eyes and hear with your natural ears and observe with your natural understanding, it seems to say that Jesus doesn't have authority over those things. But you've got to understand there's never a place, there's never a person, there's no demon, there's no angel, there's nothing created or ever could be created that Jesus is not already Lord over. Therefore, He says on this journey, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 13.5 says, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. Now I believe every one of us in here would say, Yes, I don't want to have a covetous heart. I don't want to practice covetousness. I don't want to always be feeling i got to keep up with the Joneses i got to keep up with culture. I believe every one of you in here say, I would love to be content. What's amazing is, notice what the foundation of such thing and such practice 
such a life is. He says the foundation for this is for he himself has said. This is not a preacher telling you. This isn't a circumstance telling you. This isn't a novel like Peter Pan telling you. This is God himself saying to you and I, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Notice the result. Verse 6. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Notice that you're never alone. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And because you're never alone, you can boldly say in the midst of what you're going through, in the midst of this season, in the midst of this trial, in the midst of what you're working through or working towards, in the midst of it, you cannot passively, not just silently, not just haphazardly, but you can boldly in the midst with your eyes wide open and with the clear understanding that yes, you have some pain and yes, you have some tears and yes, you have some struggles, but right in the midst of it, you can boldly say as you look at those things, the Lord is my helper. Yes, I'm facing some things, but I'm never alone. Yes, I'm facing some things, but He'll never leave me nor forsake me. And therefore, I can boldly say, the Lord Lord is my helper. What can man do to me? What is he doing? Listen, he's building your confident understanding that he is Lord over all. You mean to tell me, Chad, that even though mankind's not robots and, and God winds them up and moves them like chess pawns, you mean to tell me that he can still turn the heart of a man wherever he pleases? Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. That some of you have faced some issues and it's been man, not just the devil, but it's been people that got real bones and real flesh and real words and real hugs around you in the previous season that have absolutely hurt you and absolutely caused you to doubt that God is with you and that you're never alone and He'll never leave you and that He is your helper. But I'm telling you that as you wait for the true Neverland you're having and going to have some Neverland experiences that you're going to see where you used to have to fear man because you said, you know, I can't change my spouse. I can't control my kids. I can't determine what the boss does and what the president does. But you're going to have some moments where you realize that though mankind's not robots, he still can turn the heart of a person wherever he pleases. He can still cause an enemy to give you favor. He can still call someone that don't want to bless you, that have to be into his will and open up a door of provision for you. That you can still look at mankind and not have to fear how they can harm you, but you can boldly say, the Lord's even greater than man that's done me harm before. That you can get to the place like Joseph that looked at what man and his brothers did and said you meant it for evil but God meant it for my good because he's greater than man. And I can look at the things that I can't control around me like men and women and spouses and children and friends and co-workers and bosses and employees and siblings and still say what can man do to me? If God be for us who can be against us? This is how God begins to make us fishers of men because he leads us into some experiences that proves and makes true in our experience the fact that He'll never leave us nor forsake us. We're never alone and therefore we can boldly say, The Lord is my helper.
Hallelujah. He's my helper. I'll never forget how I had groups of years where my father, my biological father, left me alone. I'll never forget experiencing some circumstances in those years that that fear was the result because though I had a great stepdad who is my dad in, in practice and mom and, you know, still many, many blessings in my life, something in that moment that felt lacking and I felt alone. I felt like, who's going to help me with this circumstance that I'm facing? And I'll never forget that though it, even in ministry early on and seeing the Lord bring great healing to many areas of my soul and restoration in my life, that there still would be this vulnerability to that voice of the enemy. Saying, you're alone in this. When I'd face a new circumstance or face something I couldn't control or something I couldn't make happen, there was a vulnerability based on my past experience. The enemy, it was easier for him to say, see, you're alone. See, you, you, I know Jesus has helped you and you got born again, but now in this issue, in this circumstance... It's up to you, Chad. Now, that's okay if you're very arrogant and, and self-confident, but I wasn't. I was well aware of my weaknesses and had insecurity, so the weight of those moments really weighed on me. And I'll never forget one gathering. It was a Wednesday night uh, with believers, and I was down in the altar worshiping. And I'll never forget the Holy Spirit spoke to my inner man and to my heart, and He spoke clearly. You know what He spoke? He spoke what God already said. Because the Spirit bears witness to the truth. He bears witness to the truth. He ain't going to bear witness to the lies of the enemy and to circumstances that he can change into a past as if it's going to dictate your future. And you know what he said? And he didn't just say it. He forcefully yelled it to me in love. Because the line of the tribe of Judah, his voice had to roar greater than the one who tries to act like he's a lion, Satan who seeks to devour us. And the Lord said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm telling you that was like an arrow of the Lord. It flew out of my spirit into my soul. Experientially knowing now, when I face hard times, I'm not alone. I got a heavenly father. I got a helper, the Holy Spirit. I got a big brother named Jesus who has all authority. And right in the midst of it, I can boldly say, The Lord is my helper. What shall man do to me? And it's the same for you. We're never alone. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. We'll never be snatched out of the Father's hand. And then we'll never hunger and thirst. What do you mean? Well, Jesus said in John 6, 35, And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Notice that. Jesus says, never hunger, never thirst. What's he talking about? Tension again. What he's saying is when you get born again, and according to 1 Corinthians 6, 17, he who's joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. When your spirit comes in union with Jesus Christ and you get regenerated and you're made a new creation, born again, listen, your spirit, man, will never hunger and thirst again. Eternity in your heart has been filled with the eternal one. You stop searching 
Before you're on the internet checking out all religions and checking out man's opinion and what your parents and grandparents said and you're trying to find out what is true and what's not true, that ceases when Jesus Christ enters your spirit. Your spirit, man, and never thirst again and never hunger again because the righteous one is on the inside of you. The eternal one is on the inside of you. And when you become assured that you're born again, that type of thirst and hunger goes away. I'll never forget when I first came back to the Lord coming out of the, the psych ward and years of substance abuse and sexual immorality. I'll never forget I came out so hungry. God had graciously spared my life. He had protected me all through those years. And I came out hungry. Hungry to know what is truth. Hungry to know who really is God. Hungry to know all of Jesus. But there's a danger. Because until a person is assured they're born again, they don't experience the spiritual rest that's provided for once and for all in Christ. And Without having that assurance... You're restless, and you become spiritually like a babe. You know what is a characteristic of a baby? Maybe, maybe it's an opportunity for you to sign up to help in DP kids. Because if you go in the baby's rooms, here's what you'll find out. You know what a vulnerability of a baby is? They'll put anything and everything in their boca, in their mouth, everything. See, without that never hunger and never thirst of Christ satisfying that eternity in your heart and being assured of it, listen, you'll put anything and everything, and that's what I did. Because Proverbs 27, 7 says, A satisfied soul leaves the honeycomb, lows the honeycomb. But to a hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. A babe in Christ, because they're so hungry and dissatisfied and not content, they'll put anything in their mouth, even if it's wrong teaching, even if it's a wrong substance, even if it's something that will temporarily try to relieve, relieve, you know, relieve them, but long-term leads to more issues and dysfunction. But I'll never forget, as I began to keep following Jesus, it became clear. Chad, you cannot receive what you already have. You can't work for what you already have. Rest in the fact that you are a child of God, born again, a new creation. Boy, it changed things in my life. Such an inner rest in my spirit, man, in my inner man, because you don't have to hunger for what you've already received. You don't have to thirst for what you've already received. So here's the point. We can have relational assurance with the Lord that we will never perish, that the true Neverland is our eternal dwelling, that we will never be snatched out of His hand by the enemy or of another, that we're never alone no matter what we face, and He will never leave us nor forsake us as we go through life. The good news, even more good news, however, is also that while we wait for the full manifestation of the kingdom of heaven, as we follow Jesus, we will have true Neverland encounters throughout our life. Here's where I want to preach in the end. For instance, as the twelve followed Jesus, we read of a never, a true Neverland experience in their life. In Mark chapter 2 and verse 12, the scripture says, Immediately he arose. It's a paralytic man. He took up the bed and went out of the presence of them all so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, We never, notice that, we never, we never saw anything like this. 
I want to tell some of you that if you'll follow Jesus and you'll hear what the Lord is saying today to keep following Jesus, you're about to see some, some never land encounters. You're about to see some things that you never thought you would see in your life before. You're about to see things in your marriage you never thought you would ever be able to see in your marriage. You're about to see in your parenting and in your children some things you never thought you would see. You're about to see some open doors and some things in your career that you never thought you would see. Because as you follow Jesus, you'll have some true Neverland encounters and experiences that he has all authority. See, this was a paralytic man. He was carried by four male friends to Jesus. Because of the crowd, they could not get close enough to Jesus, so they went up to the roof and they broke through it, letting their friend down before Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, the man was healed instantly. The text says they were all amazed. They glorified God and they all said, we never saw Anything like this. This is a true Neverland experience. They never saw. See, notice this is the key on how Jesus made the twelve and then appointed them to be with Him. To be fishers of men. That as they followed Him, they have true Neverland experiences. Those experiences were making the disciples into those who believed and those who have experientially known that He has all authority. See, when you are made into a person by experience that you know He has all authority, it doesn't matter what the name of the disease is. It doesn't matter what you call the circumstance. It doesn't matter the obstacles that stand before you that try to come from behind you or stand to the right and the left beside you. That when you have been made to known He has all authority, you begin to be made into a person that attracts people. Because we live in a world where people have no security and foundation and stability of what's going to happen. We serve under a king that all things are under His authority. This is how Jesus makes fishers of men. He makes fishers of men of leading you to some places and you seeing some things you never thought you would see. He makes them become confident in the Lord's authority. See, why, why don't fish more? Like really fish? Like down at the lake by my house? Like fish? You know why I don't fish? Because I'm not confident I'm going to catch. I, I don't like just casting and reeling in a worm that already fell off. A, a hook without a worm. Or a hook where the fish already took the bait, but the fish ain't there. See, I don't fish because I'm not confident I'm going to catch. But the Lord makes us become more confident in His authority that there's never a place we go where we're, we'll never be alone. There's never a place we can go that His authority is not there. We begin to have a confidence in the Lord's authority that He goes before us. It's like Peter, he told all night and caught nothing. But under the Lord's authority, he threw in the net and he pulled so many fish he couldn't even get it into the boat. This is how we're made. They had never seen anything like this. This is a true Neverland encounter. Now here's what this means practically for you and I. That no matter whether you're 74, 81, 17, 24, 31, or if I missed you, your number as well. That no matter how long you've lived, it demonstrates that we cannot trust our experience and what we have seen in life up to this point. Because as you follow Jesus, He's going to lead you into some true Neverland encounters where you're going to say, I've never seen anything like this. I never saw 
Anything like this. That's what following Jesus is. That's the excitement of it. That's the wonder of it. That's the beauty of it. That the kingdom of God is going to break in into your life. It's going to break into circumstances that have previously been difficult. And it's going to break into relationships where there's been hard-heartedness. That the kingdom of God, the true Neverland, is going to break in into your experience. And you're going to stand right in the midst of it and say, I've never seen anything like this. I've seen a dysfunctional marriage, but now I'm seeing a marriage I never thought I would see. I've seen a tough road in my career. I've seen factory close after factory close or door after door close, but now Jesus is going to lead you to say, I've never seen the hand of favor like I've seen it before. I've always lived paycheck to paycheck. I thought this is how you had to live. I'm telling you, you follow Jesus, you're going to find yourself saying, I've never seen anything like this before. God has favored me. God has blessed my finances so I can be a blessing to others. My cup runneth over. The Lord is my helper. I want to tell some people today that just because you haven't ever doesn't mean you will never. Listen, just because you've never seen it, you've never seen it in that relationship, doesn't mean you'll never see it. Just because you haven't ever seen victory in that area of your life doesn't mean you'll never see victory in that area of your life. If you'll follow Jesus, you'll have a true Neverland experience and you will be amazed and say, I never knew I could experience a life that I love, like 1 Peter 3 says, a life where I have been able to turn from evil and experience Christ formed in my soul and fruitfulness abounded. I've never seen. See, the God of this age, Satan, has done all he can to blind and hide from our eyes the true Neverland, the kingdom of God that's all around us breaking in. You cannot look to your past to determine what's going to take place in the future. And I need to say this to us corporately at Dwelling Place, that we can't look to our past and we can't say, well, this is the way it's always been or we haven't ever seen every chair chair field or we haven't ever seen where we've had to bring out new chairs in a Sunday gathering that just because it hasn't ever doesn't mean that it will not never. We can't allow what our past has been, our past experience, determine where Jesus is about to lead us as we follow Him. Can anybody get with me this morning? I'll never forget after I began to follow Jesus again and pursue Him. I had a friend and he had a spiritual experience and he was trying to figure out now Jesus and things like that. And I began to minister to him just as a friend. In fact, we, my parents, uh, I was engaged at the time. Uh, no, this is a year before that. But I was living at my parents' house and we had him live with us for a while. There was a night he worked third shift And he was living with a girl who was not his wife. She had children. He's in sin, practically. He now wants to begin to seek to follow Jesus and learn of Him. I meet him at his work about, I don't know, 3 a.m. I follow him to the girl's house. We begin to get all his belongings out of this house, packed into his vehicle and my vehicle. I had a CRV Honda at the time. I'll never forget, the whole time we're moving all his stuff into our vehicles, One of the children was up that early in the morning, which is odd in and of itself. But the child was playing a video game. That child never looked up once the whole time we're moving all that stuff out. Listen to me. The moment we got everything of his items in my vehicle and he came in to tell the girl, it's over, I'm done, that child jumped up and started crying tears 
that seemed so much could have created a puddle on the floor. Instantly, the gift of discernment hit me. And I knew we're not just dealing with a, a little boy. There's a demon manifesting through that kid. Trying to cause my friend to feel guilty of doing what was right and to keep him in sin and dysfunction. I started saying under my breath, in Jesus' name I bind you. In Jesus' name I bind you. When I did, that kid began to hide behind my friend trying to get away from my presence and the the authority of that name. Finally, my friend realized what was happening and he took this kid, grabbed him gently and sort of just tossed him out in between me and him. And that kid went to run and leap back at my friend and a boldness hit me. And I said, I bind you in Jesus' name. When I did, that kid did like this. My eyes got like this. His eyes got about twice that big. The girl's eyes, I thought she was going to faint like the Queen of Sheba. And we looked at each other like, oh my goodness. And... Me and him, we went, we left the room. This was in the bedroom. And the Holy Spirit said, you better loose that, that demon. And I said, I'll loose you in Jesus' name. And that kid snapped out of it, went right back to that video game like nothing had ever happened before. What am I trying to tell you? I'm talking about, we're talking about a king that has all authority over everything. And when he invites us to follow him, he's going to lead us to some, I've never saw this before. I didn't see this in the denomination I grew up in. I didn't hear my grandma talk about this or people talk about it. But I'm telling you, as we follow Jesus, we're going to grow in the grace and the knowledge of God. And God has more. He can do more we could ever imagine or ask. And he's going to lead you into some never land experiences. Just because you haven't seen that family member saved doesn't mean you will never. Just because you haven't seen God's favor in an area doesn't mean you will never. Just because you haven't seen an opening in your career career field doesn't mean you will never. As you follow Jesus, you will see things you've never saw before. And the Lord uses it to make us confident in His authority. A true Neverland is breaking in. Just because you haven't ever experienced peace and joy doesn't mean you will never. Lastly, as the disciples continue to follow Jesus, the band to come. One day they go through the grain fields on the Sabbath. They begin to pluck heads of the grain and the Pharisees question their actions. Read about it with me in Mark 2 and 25. They're questioning about what the disciples are doing. And Jesus said to them, have you never? Someone say never. Come on. Have you never? Someone say never. Have you never read what David did when he was in need and hungry? He and those with how he went into the house of God in the days of Abathar the high priest and ate the showbread which is not lawful to eat except for the priest and also gave some to those who were with him. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Therefore the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. Notice this. Jesus says, have you never... I want to tell you today that if you'll follow Jesus, you'll have some true Neverland experiences that will cause you to understand things that previously were hidden to you. I want to tell you that as you follow Jesus, you will begin to understand and learn things that you didn't know before. What it means is as we follow Jesus, the reason why it fulfills a sense of new adventure and amazement is He's going to cause us to not just see some new things, we're going to begin to learn and understand some new things, meaning just because you haven't known it before doesn't mean... You will never know it. 
You think about things that happened in your past, you say, how in the world could God ever use it? Just because you don't understand how those things can be used and how hurts and people that's wrong you've been used doesn't mean that He'll never use it for His glory. I want to tell you as you follow Jesus, you're going to have some true Neverland experiences. You're going to see things that you've never thought you would ever see, but you're also going to begin to read things in Scripture and understand things in Scripture that you never understood before. You're going to grow in understanding and spiritual discernment. You're going to grow in knowing the Lord and His ways. Notice Jesus said, look, have you never read? What He's saying is you've read it before, but you haven't read it before. Come on. You've read it before, but you haven't ever let it read you. You've read it before, but you've never got the Spirit and understood it before. I want to tell some of you that as you follow Jesus, your hunger for the written word and your soul's going to grow. Your spirit's at rest because you're born again, but now your soul's going to begin to hunger. Your soul's going to begin to thirst that the word of God would leap off Scripture and by the Spirit would get formed in your soul. That you're going to begin to see yourself having a hunger and thirst for the Scripture and the word before. And you're going to have some never experiences that though you read it before, you never truly read it. Though you thought you understood it, you really didn't understand it. Is that not so much of the life of following Jesus that I knew it, but one, I really didn't know it? I knew it was in Scripture, but I I really didn't know it in my practice. I knew it said it, but I didn't know it in my mind and convinced that I really knew it. So much of it. See, as you follow Jesus, you're going to understand things you never understood before. Your spiritual senses are going to be developed and mature like Hebrews 5 talks about. This was my life. So I begin to follow Jesus. As God began to take me through what we now call the divine design for discipleship, there were things that I had read. I, I grew up around Scripture my entire life, but though having read it, I never knew it or understood it. There were things that the Holy Spirit began to show me that if you would have asked me a day before if it was in the Bible, I would have said, it's not in the Bible, and I would have said, you're a liar. Because you can have eyes and not yet see and understand. See, Jesus doesn't just have authority over demons and circumstances and winds and waves and fish and doors and closed doors, he also has authority over his word. And he hides it to the prideful and the self-dependent, but he reveals it to the babe, to the one that says, listen, I'm not hungry on what the world says. I'm not hungry what CNN and, and NBC and, and Fox and all the others, and I'm forgetting what they say. What I'm hungry for is what do you say about it? Who are you in the midst of what we're going through? Let a true kingdom experience come. Because you're about to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord. There's about to be some true Neverland experiences that's about to break into your life. Jesus is saying, follow me and watch that, that while you wait for the true Neverland, I'm going to allow my kingdom to still break into some areas of your heart, some areas of your home, some areas of your marriage, some areas of your finances and relationships and circumstances. You're going to have some true Neverland experiences that convince you that I have all authority. And as you walk more convinced of my authority, listen to me, you're going to be attractional to people. Because it's not going to be a confidence in you. It's going to be a confidence that is put in me. The fear of man brings a snare, but those that trust in the Lord shall remain safe. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own ways and acknowledge Him. And every time and He'll make your path straight and smooth. I'm telling you, you're about to never see some things you've never thought you would see before. You're about to get some kingdom eyes. You're about to get some kingdom understanding. Just because you haven't ever doesn't mean you will never. Jesus invites you. 
today. Follow him. Keep following him. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.